Let's talk about communion and union. Or another way to say it is community and unity. Let's talk about communion. And in lots of uh, traditions, when you say communion, people know you mean the Lord's Supper. Other traditions, you say the Lord's Supper. Other traditions, you say the Eucharist. Others, you say the sacrament, although there's many sacraments. There's no sacrament like receiving the cup. And when it comes to the Lord's Supper, there's so many traditions. And like I know when people come in here, our way of celebrating the supper is uh, foreign to some people and it's difficult for some people. And some people's tradition forbids them to participate with us. And I'm okay with that. I honor that. But in, but, but in our family, it's the family meal. In our family, it's the Lord has made a covenant with us and making a covenant means making somebody part of your family. And there's nothing that indicates family more than table, sitting to the table and eating together. When I eat your bread, I'm in your family. And God says, I want you to eat bread and drink the cup because it's me giving myself to you. And it's you by receiving, because that's the act of faith, receiving, giving yourself to me. And I'm gonna touch the scriptures that are on that and I'm gonna touch our, our history. New Life City was born as New Life Christian Fellowship and our, and our 19 years ago, we're, I'm gonna say a lot about this in the last next two months. We're entering our 20th year. We're gonna celebrate the entry into our 20th year and we're gonna recognize the 20th year all the way through so that when we get to the 20th year, the celebration will have been done all year long. Can we do that? And, and, uh, and, you, and you mark things. Human beings mark moments in their history. We put down markers. This marks us. And nothing has marked us more than the communion. So I'm gonna read the scriptures and, under, and I'm gonna explain it some, but I wanna go into a specific history. When New Life City was born, I, I will tell you this much. We were born out of blessing and conflict. Read your Bible, both go together. They're both there. Well, when you're, when you're in conflict, you're in pain. And when, you're, and when you're in conflict, it's not unusual for you to act badly. Has anybody here ever acted badly when they were in conflict? Oh, I got a witness. I got a few confessors. <laughs> Jesus, people acting badly. Imagine it. How could it ever be? And, and so, I cannot tell you I've ever been in a time which was more fully manifested by the fact that God was speaking to me than in the months that preceded and that, we, that we, we began this fellowship. It's not possible to do some of the things we did in human relationships. We planted this church with a blessing from those that were the most wounded by us planting. We planted a church out of those who had the, the most stress and conflict with us. 
And I knew this because people spoke to me plainly. Most of the conflict, the Lord told me to shield my wife from. It was mine to bear, not hers. You know what? Listen to me when I tell you, you're in this world to bear some things. You're here to carry some things for others. You see, especially when it comes to conflict, pain, distress, hurt, some people have a special grace for it. And like, um, you know, it goes like this. When somebody's hurting me, I have a grace for it. Gail, maybe not so much. Because she's not carrying, it's not aimed at her, it's aimed at me, and she's protecting me. But I have a grace for it. And listen, you understand that Jesus had the grace for us. He carried it. And he was sufficient for us. And do you realize that Jesus spawned a movement that rather than getting offended for, at the pain he went through, our commission was to carry the love he bore to others. That's, that's how it goes. Anyway, so when New Life City started, uh, we, our first service um, our first service was actually in August of uh, 2000. And then we would constitute as a church the first week of October 2000. But we had some stuff to do in preparation. And so we called our first meeting. We were, we were meeting um, over on Chama Street, where it's a church, uh, the building now is Trinity on the Marketplace, an Anglican church there now. And uh, I told the people, so we're going to have a meeting uh, don't bring any friends. I said, I said, don't tell anybody, don't invite anybody, don't bring anybody. If you're wanting to come and be in on the beginning, you come, we're going to do something. What are we going to do? We're going to make the foundation of our experience together to be the table of the Lord for a specific reason, very specific reason. And I didn't, I didn't tell them in advance too much because uh, we, communications were not as, like, can we please uncommunicate a little bit so we can hear each other? <laughs> communications were not like they are now, so it was a little harder to, to, to get everybody. Even then, it was a little harder. We gathered together and I said, listen, here's what we're here for today. We're going to confess our sins and then we're going to forgive everyone who has hurt us. We're going to start this family clean and we're going to say, nobody owes us anything. No one is our enemy. There is no one who has harmed us. They are free and we are free. You say, well, what about the confessing your sins part? Here, I come from a tradition that works like this. I, I, I was an old Lutheran. Anybody, anybody raised Lutheran? You understand. So when you took communion, 
uh, you would have this liturgy that included the brief order for the confession of sins. And, and it was liturgically done. Um, Lord, we confess to you that we have sinned against you, not only by outward transgressions, but also by inward thoughts and desires, which are fully known to you. And it goes on and talks about the condition of our heart. And so we, we got on our faces and we said, Lord, uh, we've come through a process and there's no doubt we've hurt people. No doubt we've said and thought and done things that are not from your heart and we repented. And then we said, we're coming to receive you, Jesus. And we're gonna declare that this day, no one owes us anything. We're the community of the forgiven and having been forgiven, we forgive. And we said, anyone who comes into our fellowship is going to have to learn the way of radical forgiveness because we're gonna tell them, you can't bring that stuff here with you. Now, how many of you know that that's all cool when you don't have any history? <laughs> so now we got 19 years of offending each other. <laughs> I mean, this is why we come to the table over and over and over. So I just want to nail it down again. The foundation of this church is radical forgiveness. And the foundation of this church is a people who look out at other people and say, you don't owe me anything. And I'm talking about even those who do. I'm forgiving you without you asking. I'm forgiving you whether you acknowledge what you did to me or not. I'm forgiving you because he hung spread eagle on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And the night before he went there, he said, what I'm about to do is not just for you, but it's for all those who will ever believe through your testimony. And that's me. And it was amazing to me when I first met Jesus, the first thing I did was go on a confession of sin tour. I went to see the people that I knew I had harmed, knew I had hurt. And I began to say to them, I, I've hurt you. And I've met Jesus. And I've discovered how wrong it was what I did to you. And I need you to forgive me. Some of you have been on those tours. <laughs> and you get a mixed review, by the way. Because not everybody has the grace to forgive the first time they hear it. And we forgive them too. Listen, I know what I'm saying. I know who I'm saying this to. And I know stories. I know your stories. And I know the pain you're talking about. But I need to redig the foundations of his church because I want to redig the foundations of revival. I want to make a place where Jesus can come and visit us again. I want a place that's the heavens are open again in a way that, Lord, we can, we can hear your voice. We know what to do right now. Because I found myself a few times since that time where I was in places where I didn't know what to do. Now, I can tell you that 
this so far. Every time I've cried out to him in that condition, he's like, okay, here it is. Ah, are you sure, Jesus? <laughs> that? Yeah, he says, you knew when you asked me. How many of you know most of the time when you say to the Lord, tell me what to do, he says, you had not done what I told you already. Can we talk? <laughs> Sir, I'm going to get to the scripture and it's going to get worse. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's do scripture. This is, a, this is the longest passage that we have in the Bible about the communion. And this is the passage that says, don't do it like this. Let's look at it. In the following instruction, I do not commend you. Paul writes to the Corinthians in the 11th chapter, what we call the 11th chapter. When you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be uh, factions among you in order that those who are genuine and of, of you may be recognized. Uh, by the way, do you understand that... Uh, what that passage says is when there's trouble, the, the real article emerges. The genuine article emerges when there's trouble. He says, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Now, some people, like even when we celebrate the supper, would, would on religious reasons make that argument, but that's not the argument he's making. I want you to see it. For in eating, each one of you goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry and another gets drunk. When, I, when you read this, you go, they did what? I mean, don't you, they did what? Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Uh, so much for always being nice. As, as a kingdom measure. <laughs> so look what happens here. What we don't understand is that culturally what they did was when they came together, they actually ate a meal and part of the meal was celebrating the communion, the bread and the cup and receiving Jesus in the meal. But he was saying, but some of you who have a lot come and you like dive in and others who don't have so much, you don't share with them, you just dive in. And then he said, and some of you drink the whole bottle. <laughs> So in other words, they turned the Lord's Supper into a thing that, here's, here's what it did. It was one of those things that divided people. You know, y'all know people, he's talking about divisions and he said, here's one way you divide. You divide into haves and have nots. And one of the ways you do it is you actually scarf up everything and don't even share. Now this is a deadly poison. Deadly poison. And so he says, don't you have a house to eat in? I'm convinced when I study this scripture that one of the reasons that the church historically has separated the fellowship meal from the communion is this text. Because they didn't know how to properly share. So that the communion became more of a, a ritual meal than, a, than an actual feast meal. Because of how badly they acted and because, and because he said, just go home because you're not eating, you're not having the Lord's Supper anyway now let's dig in a little bit 
For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord, the Lord Jesus, when on the night he was, say it, betrayed, took bread, and when he had given it, given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup and after the supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance for me. Now look what he says. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, did you know you were doing that? What you were doing by act was preaching a sermon and proclaiming your faith. You were confessing faith. You, you became the preacher. For a few minutes, the preaching was done all here. We received Jesus proclaiming his death until he comes. Man. So listen, that, that gathering of saints in 2000, we came together and said, listen, we want this to be about Jesus, not us, and our stories of pain and of line drawing and circle making and exclusion. We want it to be about him and we're taking all our pain to his feet and we're leaving it there. And when we got up from that meal, we had a covenant that we made, which was this. I want you to, I said, said those of us who came from, and in our case, it was the Baptist church. We're gonna only speak well of the Baptist church. Doesn't matter what was spoken over, over you. You don't matter whatever was spoken. You're going to speak well. And boy, you know, by the way, the Baptist, I was in the Baptist church when I learned how to bless those who weren't blessing me. It was Baptist people that taught me to do that. And so I grabbed that lesson and said, I want that lesson inside of us. And do you know, do you know how good it feels to just bless people? And, and, and you're like, well, I don't even remember the stuff. You know how good it is to, to run into somebody in the store that you hadn't seen in years and you don't remember the stuff. You just remember that you were joined in Jesus and you love each other. So I'm saying foundationally, church, we're coming, we're coming back to where we started. We're back to the future. We're coming back. We're doing this in remembrance of Jesus and we're gonna proclaim Jesus everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. No one owes me anything. I'm going to die knowing that no, no one owes me anything. Because Jesus more than paid me. More than paid. Ooh, hallelujah, man. Oh, man. Okay, so that's a foundation stone. 
probably said more than you can bear already, but you're going to have to bear me a little longer. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now listen to this. This is a strange, strangest saying. That's why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So pastor, please unpack that passage because that passage makes you sick without the judgment. All right, go so historically, and I ran into this, historically, here's how that text has been interpreted. It goes like this. When, in fact, one of the reasons why people confess their sins before is the idea that in the act of confessing our sins, we become worthy to receive the Lord's Supper. So let's establish this. I've said it over and over, but let's establish this. No one comes to the table of the Lord worthy to receive it. I don't care how much penance, confession, <laughs> I don't care how much stuff you've done. You're, we don't come to his table because we're worthy of his table. His introduction into the world by, was by one who said, I'm not worthy to even touch your sandals. So we don't come to him worthy. And in fact, when you feel the least worthy is when you need to come the most often. Because we're coming to receive his grace, not to establish our worthiness. So what's going on here? I think you can see it plainly in the, in the matter. Here's what Paul said. You guys are receiving in an unworthy manner. Your manner of coming. In other words, listen, he just said you have bad manners. <sighs> bad manners is treating somebody badly. And he says, so what you've done is you've done an act of treating your neighbor, actually members of the body of Christ, badly, and then you think you're eating the table of the Lord. You're not. He said, in fact, you're making yourself sick. So here's how that works. When I cut you off, I make myself sick. And I might die from it. What does that mean? Because he says literally, some of you folks are getting sick and some of you folks are dying. But what had they actually done? What they had actually done was instead of building a community, a unity, instead of building a family, they'd said, they didn't say eat at the kids' table, they said eat out in the yard. Or they said, I'm sorry, we're out. I have a long story about that. I just spared you a long story by telling you I had one. <laughs> In your old age, your impulse control gets a little better, not much. So listen, then I studied under Dr. John Ruthven and, and Dr. Ruthven unpacked this passage in a way that made me go, Whoop. have you ever read your Bible and go, Whoop. 
Like sometimes you read the Bible and you're like, the world has to stop, I found something. <laughs> so, so, hallelujah. Here's what he found. And he goes on and says, so then brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. And if anyone's hungry, let him eat at home. In other words, get your appetite solved at home so that when you come together, it won't be for judgment. You won't be excluding one another. You'll be including one another. And about the other things, I'll give you direction when you come. So now listen, what we were doing when we, were, when we first received that first communion, here's what we were doing. We were saying, yes, we're establishing a new family here, but we love our old family. They're not our enemies. And we're not gonna speak about them in the community like they're the enemy. They're not the enemy. They're our dear friends. Well, you wanna know what I would love one of these days to have a party with those folks. I'll figure it out. I've had some one-on-one parties, figured out. But listen, there's an, another insight and I have to get there because I'm, I'm preaching too slow today. I have to get there. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, so he does the Lord's Supper and then he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, and listen, when he starts talking about spiritual gifts, he's immediately into another division they have between the gifted and the ungifted. Man, do we have a manifestation of the gift of word and knowledge in here on Friday night. Do we? Sean Boltz was in here. He blew this place up with the word of knowledge. I mean, everybody in here thought, I'm never giving a word of knowledge again. <laughs> which was the opposite of what he wanted. What he wanted was to say, no, no, I'm gonna create an environment where all of you can get in on this. But spiritual gifts divide us more than anything. And spiritual gifts had actually divided me from my former family in the, in the faith. And that, that's what it was. He says, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the spirit. That has a whole sermon that I don't have time to preach. It's a beautiful passage. But, but this is why when you're dealing with something Somebody who's demonically oppressed, they can't say Jesus is Lord. And, and it's, a, it's a signal for you that you need to help somebody get free. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. In other words, he said, this is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit experience. God, the community, of the communal trinity, the filial trinity, the internal family of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is in this creating in you a filial community of where you're desperate for one another. Listen, we're doing this. I'm telling you that, the, that I saw my family in Pennsylvania they have a specific need with a specific set of gifts. And I said, oh, well, we got the ace of spades on that in our house. You should talk to them because they're in our family. Let's, let's get this done. Let's walk with one another. Let's be the body of Christ. And then he says to each is given the manifestation of the spirit. This is fun. Just so you'll know, when the New Testament talks about the manifestation of the spirit, it's actually talking about the gifts of the spirit, not the shakes. <laughs> Just a thought. <laughs> I'm still okay with the shakes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you don't shake. 
For, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, to another by the same Spirit, uh, faith by the same Spirit, other gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to other workings of miracles, to other prophecy, and he gives the ninefold gifts of the Spirit, which are the manifestations of the Spirit among us, which are me bringing to you what you need. Now, that's the key to what Ruthven taught us. It goes like this. Over here in the body is these like amazing gifts. Are you kidding me? Healing is in the body? Miracles? Faith? These things are in the body? Absolutely. He says it's over here. But when you divide the body, you cut yourself off from what you need. And he said, so some of you are sick and some of you are dying. Did anybody get that? You see, the answer to the question, the answer to the question about coming to the Lord's table and some of you are sick and some of you are dying is not God saying, I'm gonna kill you if you don't do this the right way. That's not what this is saying. Is your God like that? I mean, just so you'll know, most of us wouldn't be here if that was the truth. No, all of us wouldn't be here. That passage is not saying, it's not saying that if you come with sin in your life, I'm gonna kill you. That passage is saying is, when you cut off members of the body that you need, you're killing yourself. Booyah. How many of you actually want to be in a church where there's people in the church who lay hands on you and you get well? But if those people are people you won't even eat with, can we talk? So this is the deal. This whole passage is Paul talking to a church on multiple levels of telling them, you're desperately in your need of one another. You can't have communion unless you have union. You can't have a community unless you have a unity. And unity doesn't mean we all say the same things. It means you don't cut your face off. <laughs> or as my mama says, you don't cut your nose off to spite your face. And Paul's saying, you guys are cutting off the limbs of the body. Well, Ruthven showed me that. And like, is that the 100% guaranteed accurate translation of the passage? Listen to me. I don't know, but it's really powerful. I mean, it's messed me up. It's messed me up. I can't say to you because you're different than me, I don't need you. I mean, every part of your body that you end up living without, trust, you miss. <laughs> All right. Okay, that's about it, but I'm not done yet. <clears throat> These are empowered by the one and the same spirit who apportions to each individually as he wills. This is not an in-depth teaching on the gifts of the spirit. This is simply, an, this is simply a flyover teaching about why we exist. So number one, if you missed it, for the 
slow, and for the people who go, you communicate with confusing, and I do. I'm a confusing communicator. That's why I think, I want you to have the idea, well, if I just keep showing up sooner or later, I'll get what he's talking about. (laughs) Just so you know, my understander is as broken as my communicator. I don't know what you're talking about half the time. (laughs) It's so true, Adrian. You know it better than anybody. (laughs) I'm the guy say what? And then because I didn't hear you, it's because I thought the first time you said it, I think I wanted to kill you. (laughs) All right. Can't get this stuff. Just anywhere. I'm, uh, I'm going to miss y'all when I die. <laughs> if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I don't have faith, and if I have faith is to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. So in case you missed what I was saying, because I forgot to tell you. Number one, foundationally is radical forgiveness. Number two, foundationally is Spiritual gifts are for the unity of the body, not the division of the body. And we desperately need one another more than we've ever imagined. And the goal of experiencing spiritual gifts is not so that we'll be all omnicompetent to do everything in God, but it's so that we'll be able to say to one another, I know somebody who can help you. And then we pick up our loved one and we carry them and set them at the feet of a friend just like we set them at the feet of Jesus and we say I don't know but this one might be able to help you and we really do help each other oh we got to get this thing right and and while I'm talking about getting this right listen I don't care what your view, this is a way aside I don't care what your view is about gun possession You've got to pray for God to heal our nation. We've got to stop this stuff. It's got to stop. And and this is a moment where we have to say, Lord, we don't know how to make it stop. We don't know how. Lord, help us to make it stop. I was on that street in Dayton when I was doing my doctoral studies. It has to stop, Lord. Okay, we need each other. So one. Forgive one another. Two, discern the body. We need each other. Three, love is greater than gifts. Which means to say, when I was in the Baptist church and they were stressed out about speaking in tongues, they still had something that was far greater than speaking in tongues. And they gave it to me all the time. Please don't miss that. And so, and what, and what Sean Bowles was up here saying is, look, 
You may not be able to figure out how to get this stuff perfectly, but you can love somebody in the process. Let it never be said in this church that we ever pray for somebody's healing and then blame them for not getting well. No, when you pray for somebody and they don't get well, you take the suffering inside yourself. And you get before them and you say, I don't understand this, but this is not your fault. This is more me than you and I love you. I'm finishing. If I give away all that I have and deliver my body to be burned and I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. It's a long time to be received. It's kind. Love does not envy everything everybody else has and it doesn't boast in what it has. And it's not arrogant like your pastor (laughs) or rude like your pastor. does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It certainly doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. And then these amazing words, love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things. Oh, you better believe it. Aren't you glad somebody loves you? I know. Love never ends. I like the way it says never fails, but I like that it never ends. Prophecies, they pass away. Tongues, they'll cease. Knowledge, words of knowledge, they'll pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect has come, the partial will pass away. Uh, This is where I preach on confusion and and chaos and order. And I tell you that when the kingdom is fully come, we don't have any need for spiritual gifts anymore. Spiritual gifts are the interim gift, the interim blessing of God to help us deal with the crazy world we're in. And they, they don't make us better than anybody. And I wanted it so clearly inside our church when we started that we were earnestly going to desire spiritual gifts, but we were not going to make them supreme in our fellowship. And I remember the day that somebody came, one of our dear founding members came to me and said, Pastor, do you know that we talk about gifts probably 10 times as much as we talk about love? And I was angry, but I was so chastened. You know, most of the stuff that makes you mad is true, right? At least that's the way it is with me. Would you stand together? When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall fully know, even as I have been known. 
So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. I just want to add one thing. As Alan was speaking about how there are times when we need to be careful that we do not cut off parts of the body, that we are the ones responsible. But there's another twist to that, and that is that you cut yourself off. And my, how I want to implore you is if you are here this morning and you feel that you are not needed or you are not wanted, that's a lie from the enemy. Because the truth is, please do not cut yourself off. Because the Lord needs you here. The Lord wants to use your gifts here. And he doesn't want you to run away. Yeah. You know, as we're sending our best away, it goes like this. Uh, In sports, they say, next man up. Next woman up. Next person up. And it goes like this. You're here as the next one up. I'm telling you, everybody that the Lord uses, we all go, really? He did that with me? And if you're in that position of going, me? If there's a witness inside of you that says, no, not me, Lord, then I'm telling you. That's what Mama Gail is saying. No, it's you. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, would you come? We're going to ask the presence of the Lord to just come and rest on us a minute. Let, let the Lord come upon you. Let his power come upon you. If you're new to us and you don't know what this means, this means just for a moment, think of him, not of yourself. And call upon him. Call upon the Lord to make himself known to you, be real to you, to make his presence manifest upon you. So just get Holy Spirit come.